Thanks for listening to our messages from Southbridge Fellowship. For additional resources and information on connecting people to Jesus for life change, visit us online at southbridgefellowship.com. Well, good morning, Southbridge. How are you guys doing today? You guys doing good? Good. Good to see you guys. Um, so for those of you that are first-time guests with us, um, I just want to take a moment just to say welcome. You know, we're so glad you're here with us today. Uh, for those of you that don't know me, uh, my name is Pastor Little Scott, <laughs> a.k.a. number two, you know. As most of you guys know, uh, me and our senior pastor, Pastor Scott, has been having this, this back and forth battle as to what each other's names should be, you know, who is the real Pastor Scott, and, and I just want to tell you guys, this week, it was made official, I am actually the real Pastor Scott, and to prove it, I have my Instagram account, you can tell my, my, my name is, is the real Pastor Scott, so if it's on Instagram... It's official, right? You know, it's, it's legit. Uh, the funny thing is, is this back and forth uh, of me, me and Pastor Scott playing with each other kind of reminds me of, a, a, of an argument that the disciples were having in, in Luke 22. And this is the same story that we're going to look at today, but we're going to look at it in John 13. But in this part, in Luke 22, the disciples are arguing, who is the greatest among them? Like, I'm the greatest. No, I'm the greatest because I did this. I'm going to be here. Kind of reminds me of me and Pastor Scott, right? Like, I, I'm the real Pastor Scott. You can be number one. I can be number two. This, this, and back and forth. And, and I read this passage, and it kind of gave me some clarity of how we can settle this, this argument. And, and if we read in, in Luke 22, 36, uh, Pastor Scott, if you're watching online, I even got it in the English Standard Version for you because I, I know how you like that. Uh, this is Jesus' words. These, these are not my words. Jesus said, after the argument, he said, Rather, let the greatest among you become as the youngest. Let the greatest among you come as the youngest. So my only question I have today, church, is who's the youngest? You know, I'm just... I'm just saying, I'm just saying. But all joking aside, man, don't we have an incredible senior pastor? You know, I, I, I love the honor and the privilege that I get to serve on staff at Southbridge under this man of God. And so I know he's not with us today, but can we just give another round of applause for him? You know, I, I praise God for him. And, and, and Pastor Scott, I, I want you to know that I'm going to humbly, yes, very humbly, I'm honestly the humblest person that I know, I'm going to humbly... <laughs> withdraw from this competition and guys the real pastor scott you know so enough of that uh let's let's get on with what we'll be looking at this morning we've been going through a series called encounters and we've been going through the book of john and been looking at different encounters that jesus has with people and and our hope and desire is that through this series that god's word will will challenge us in how we encounter others, that how we see Jesus encounter others will change the way that when we approach people, when we talk to people, it will change the way in which we, we encountered them. And on the flip side, our hope is that after people have encountered us, that they will leave feeling a little bit better than what they did when they first came to us, that they will leave feeling a little bit more encouraged, that they will leave our conversations feeling like they just know Jesus a little bit more through having an encounter with us because we have had an encounter with Jesus Christ. And so the story we're going to look at, I referenced it earlier, but it's going to be John 13. So if you guys want to turn there. 
And this scene takes place during Jesus' last supper. This is the night right before Jesus was crucified. He gathers all his disciples together in one place to share a meal, to have community with one another. And the disciples that night have an encounter with Jesus that should literally blow all of our minds. So let us pray. Lord God, we just thank you and we praise you for today. We thank you for your word and we just pray right now, Lord God, as your word comes forth, that it will challenge us, that it will shape us, that it will encourage us and edify us, Lord, and that it will just help us to become more like you. I thank you, Lord, for the, the example that you set for us, Lord, of, of, of serving and loving one another. And I pray that as, as your word comes forth, that we'll just be people that become more like you in loving and serving one another. Have your way in this service. Holy Spirit, be all up in this place Soften our hearts to receive from you. We love you, Lord. We give you all praise. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. So I heard a joke the other day. It was a terrible joke, but it conveys a strong message. And basically, there was this man, and he got really sick, and so he went to the doctors to find out he had this rare medical condition that left, if left untreated, he, he's going to die, right? The doctors thought it was so bad that they had to take his wife outside of the room to tell her the news. So the doctor takes the wife outside, and he said, look, I got some good news and some bad news. The bad news is, is this condition is fatal, and if left untreated, your husband's going to die. The good news is, is that if you cook for your husband all his favorite meals, three times a day, whatever he asks for, if you keep the house super clean and spotless, and if basically you'll just be there whenever your husband needs you, if you just give him a little bell so he rings it and you'll be there, he's going to live a fantastic, normal life, and it's not going to affect him. So the doctor leaves, and the wife comes back in the room, and the man's like anxious, right? He's like, okay, what did the doctor say? She said, bad news, you're going to die. <laughs> Terrible joke. The woman's like, I ain't doing that. I ain't got time for that. And even though it's a terrible joke, I think the, the point is, is truthfully, if we look at our own lives, we can respond like that at times. There's times where we just don't want to do some things that we know we should do. We take this response of, I ain't doing that. I haven't got time for that. That ain't, that's my southerner, you know, I'm like, conjuring my southern spirit. I ain't doing that. Okay, turn, turn to the person next to you and say, I ain't doing that. See, some of you are looking at me like right now saying, I ain't doing that. I ain't turning to my neighbor. And that's, and that's what I want to focus on today is that there are needs in this world. There are needs in other people's lives that we can meet, but it might mean us willing to do something that we don't necessarily want to do. It might mean us humbling ourselves to do something. It might mean us taking that attitude of, I ain't doing that. Don't they know who I am? I ain't doing that. And getting rid of that and just doing it. You know, it might take us to places where we've got to get real low and down in the mud of life and deal with those things. So that's what I want to talk about is how, how Jesus did that for us and set that example for us, that he was willing to put us before even his own self, okay? And so... I think an example of this is I remember a couple years ago, uh, my mother and father in love, they're here with us right now, uh, they were actually in the Dominican Republic and they were serving as missionaries out there and they had this terrible, they got into this terrible uh, car accident. Basically they, they hit a water truck head on and, and, and things weren't good. 
And I remember getting the phone call, um, me and my wife was in Fayetteville at the time, of, from a pastor telling us what's happened, what's going on. And, and we, you know, we was obviously concerned, we was worried, it was kind of a life or death situation. And, and so we was like, we have to get on the next plane out of here, we've got to go be with them and help them. And so the next flight out was, was tomorrow. And so we was like, we're going to get on that flight. The only, the only thing is, is at the time, I, I wasn't a resident, because if you can't tell, I'm British. That's the weird accent. Um, and and I, I was still going through the green card process. And so I couldn't actually leave the country because it would basically nullify my whole process. So I actually called the embassies trying to figure out, like, hey, will, will they let me? I called them, like, hey, can you make an exception? Can I, can I go and be with my family? Told them what happened. And they said, no, we can't make an exception. But what we can do is we can speed up the process. Now, when they say they can speed up the process, it means that it's only going to take a couple months and we'll have to fly to England and have interviews there. So I'm like, man, that's not going to work. We need to go tomorrow. So I felt uncomfortable like sending my wife to this foreign country on her own um, in, a, in a language that she doesn't speak fluently. I kind of felt like a little nervous about that. And so what I ended up doing is I actually called one of my best friends. He was living in Florida at the time. Um, his name was Azael, or Ozzy for short, I guess short or easier to pronounce, I don't know. Um, but he was actually the best man in my wedding. We went to Bible college together. He's a really good friend. And he's actually was originally from the Dominican Republic. And so I called him up and told him the whole situation. And I said, look, man, like, I just feel uncomfortable sending my wife. I don't know what you're doing right now. I don't know what's going on. But I want to ask you, can you fly out tomorrow with my wife to the Dominican Republic just to be there with her? And I half expected him to say no. But without hesitation, he turns to me and says, yeah, I'll be there. Without hesitation, this guy was willing to drop everything and serve me. Without hesitation, he said, I'll be there. He put my own needs above his own. And this is a guy that I feel like we can apply the 1 Corinthians 11, 1 to, where it says, follow me as I follow Christ. He showed such, such a, an idea of serving somebody else, putting that desires of your own aside to serve somebody else. And, and that's what I want to talk about because that is, is based on how we love one another, how we serve one another. And that's what Jesus talks about in John 13. So if you're there, if you want to turn there, we're going to pick up in verse, verse 1. Um, it says, It was just before the Passover festival. Jesus knew that the hour had come for him to leave this world and to go to the Father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. The evening meal was in progress, and the devil had already prompted Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot, to betray Jesus. Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power and that he had come from God and was returning to God. He got up from the meal, took off his outer clothing, wrapped a towel around his waist. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with the towel that was wrapped around his waist. Here we see Jesus showing us an example of what it means to love and to serve one another. Jesus got down and washed the feet of his followers. Now this, this should be mind-blowing. This is true servant leadership. Let me, let me give you some context to what's happening here. Okay, washing feet back then was a common, a, a common custom, okay? Washing feet wasn't something new. It was very common when you went around to somebody's house, okay? Why? Because understand, back then, 
People didn't have shoes like we have shoes, okay? They didn't have Air Jordans. They were rocking some Air Christ sandals, okay? Which basically means like the dirt on the road is going to make their feet super dusty. And, and to add to that, their mode of transport were animals, okay? Which, which to, to keep it clean, basically means that their transport emissions are a little different to our emissions, okay? And so sometimes you could walk down the street and stand in some of this transport emission. So my, my point is, is basically, some of y'all don't like feet when they're clean. Back then, feet were a whole different issue, okay? And so what happens when you go around to somebody's house is you normally have, it's normally common of the person to have a servant, or let's be real, a slave to wash the feet of the guests, the role of washing someone's feet was one of the lowest places you could be in society. Washing people's feet was a humble place to be. And this is why it's mind-blowing. Because Jesus Christ, the Son of God, the creator of the world, the light of the world, the light of God, the, was, the one who was and is and is to come, the beginning and the end, the Alpha, the Omega, the Messiah, the Christ, the Savior, took on the role of a slave. Amen. Can I just like take this mic off and do like a little mic drop and like, Seth, come on up, let's, let's get... Because that should be enough, right? Jesus, the King of kings and Lord of lords, took on the role of a slave because he loved his disciples. In a world where followers is all about making us famous, Jesus decided to wash the feet of his followers. How many of you glad that you don't have to wash all your Instagram followers today? You know, I see some people out there with thousands, like that's a lot of feet to be washing, right? But that's what Jesus did. Jesus here is given as an example of what we should be like as his disciples, serving one another, loving one another. Because that, serving one another and loving one another, is how we will be identified as Jesus' disciples. After Jesus is done washing his disciples' feet, he said this, he said, If I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you ought to wash one another's feet. For I has given you an example that you also should do just as I have done to you. Jesus washed feet. He said, you should do the same. Jesus then went on to say, Truly, truly, I say to you, a servant is not greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. If you know these things, blessed are you if you do them. Whatever Jesus, our master, did, understand we are never too good to do the same. I remember when I, I first, you know, came to Christ, um, I was about 18 years old, and uh, I'd probably been in a relationship with Jesus for like three to six months, and I was excited, man, like I wanted to serve, I wanted to do something, so I remember like, you know, trying to reach out like, hey, I want to serve the church, like, and so I ended up serving in the glamorous role of washing the church's bathrooms, okay, and, 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 and that's not what I had in mind when I said I wanted to serve, right, I wanted to be a leader, I wanted to be something more glamorous, and yeah, I found myself washing the bathrooms. And, and, and in those moments, honestly, is where I learned so much about what leadership really is. And, and I remember one time I was washing the bathroom, uh, the toilets, and, and the pastor came and, and he started talking to me. And he said this to me, and, and it's always stuck with me. He said, I will never ask somebody to do something I'm not willing to do myself. 
I will never ask someone to do something I'm not willing to do myself. And then he went on to tell me how he, as the senior pastor, has cleaned these toilets so many times, right? And, and, and I feel like I love that. And this is the same type of example that Jesus has given us here. Jesus never asks us to do something that he's not willing or hasn't already done himself. Jesus said, love your enemies. Jesus loved his enemies. Jesus said, be baptized. He was baptized. On a side note, if anybody hasn't been baptized here and you know Jesus, I just want to encourage you to do that. You know, understand that baptism isn't linked to salvation. It's just an outward declaration of what God God has done on the inside. It's kind of like a wedding ring, right? That this doesn't do anything for my marriage. It's just an outward demonstration. And understand that Jesus got baptized. And so if you haven't done that, I just want to encourage you. Next time we do stuff like that, jump on that. But this idea, right? Jesus said, pray for the sick. He prayed for the sick. Jesus said, feed the hungry. He fed the hungry. Jesus said, wash each other's feet. He washed each other's feet. So that's what we're going to do today. The elders are going to come around and they're going to pass out buckets and we're going to wash each other's feet. (laughs) I'm just playing. I'm just playing, man. But see, like some of y'all got nervous. I saw like eyes looking for exits, you know, like, and here's the, here's the thing, like, some of y'all don't know me yet, and so you're like, oh my gosh, is he really going to do that? And, and the funny thing is, those that do know me are like, oh, I wouldn't put it past him, like, he's going to do it, he's going to, but, but I think that, that, that check inside of us, right, where we're like, what, we're going to wash each other's feet? Like, really comes home, because truth is, sometimes we don't want to do as Jesus did. If we look deep in our hearts, we think Jesus made a great leader, a great hero, a great savior, but we don't think he made a great role model. Francis Chan said this, he said, you passionately love Jesus, but you don't really want to be like him. You admire his humility, but you don't want to be that humble. You think it's beautiful that he washed the feet of his disciples, but that's not exactly the direction your life is headed. You're thankful that he was spit upon and abused, but you'd never let that happen to you. You praise him for loving you enough to suffer during his whole time on earth, but you're going to do everything within your power to make sure you enjoy your time down here. In short, you think he's a great savior, but not a great role model. I don't know about you guys, but that's hard to hear. But I think if we're all honest with ourselves, we find ourselves agreeing with that more often than we care to admit. We find ourselves as broken people dealing with pride and insecurities. We feel the need to fight for our rights, to strive for position and stature. And most times when I find myself being prideful, is when I'm actually trying to cover up an insecurity because I haven't truly grasped who I am in Jesus Christ. And, and, and so there's no shame in this. We're all human. We all deal with this on, on some form of or another, right? And, and, and I think just being honest with ourselves and admitting it will help us grow from it. So there's no shame in it, but I want you guys to know that's not how Jesus lived. Jesus lived to serve others. He said, just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve, we need to live our lives in the same manner. It's such a privilege that we get 
to serve the world. And, and as a disclaimer, I know this like sounds real heavy. You know you're doing some good preaching when everybody gets quiet. But I, I don't want you to feel like I'm trying to come down on you guys. Like, you need to serve more. Like, I'm, I'm not doing that. I, I, the sh- three short months that I've been here at Southbridge, I've seen you guys pour out love for one another, serve one another, serve me and my family, love one another. And you guys are doing phenomenal. Like, like, seriously, like, it's so beautiful to see. So understand that I'm not trying to pressure you guys. I'm not going to, like, have a sign-up sheet outdoors, like, sign up to serve, and this is a whole message for that. My, my point is, is I'm not trying to pressure. I'm just trying to get us to open our eyes more to the privilege of serving. It's, it's not an obligation. It's an opportunity, an opportunity to pour out the love of God that we have received to others. And God has given us so many tools and resources to impact the world around us, to demonstrate the love of God. All we have to do is be people that are open and willing to fulfill a need. It's that simple. Jesus saw dirty feet and thought, I can do that. I can wash feet. Jesus saw a need and he fulfilled a need. So whenever we see a need, we just need to ask ourselves, can I fulfill that need? If the answer is yes, there is your opportunity to be Jesus to this world. Can I fulfill that need? But so often we get consumed with using the tools and resources around us to fulfill our own needs, our own desires, and our own wants. Galatians 5.13 says, You, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free, but do not use your freedom to indulge in the flesh. Rather, serve one another humbly in love. Instead, we find that most of the day we're indulging in our own flesh. That the things around us we're using is to fill our own needs, desires, and wants. So, last week, Anna Myers, Denny Myers' wife, uh, she actually spoke on this passage, John 13, to our students. Which was great, because I knew I was speaking on John 13, and I hadn't got any notes yet. So I'm like, I'll just steal her notes and pass them off as my own. Nobody will have to know. Uh, but what she said, she, said, she said in her sermon was this, this thing, and it, and, and it kind of was profound to me. She, said, she asked the question, most of the days, what are the things that we hold in our hands? And our students said stuff like our cell phones, you know, uh, our money, our food, which we all hold on a daily basis, right? And then she said this. She said, now, the things that we're holding in our hands, like 90% of the time, are probably to fulfill our own needs, desires, wants. How can we use our hands now to fulfill the needs of others? That was profound because it's, it's simple stuff that's around us every single day that can be used to help others. And so let me, let, me, let me kind of break this down for you guys, okay? So do you guys have one of these? Okay, who, who has a cell phone in here? Okay, like you already got them in your hands. What are you holding in your hands, right? It, we, we all, honestly, if we're honest with ourselves, we hold these way too often than we should. And what are we, what's the reason that we're holding them? It's, it's, if we're honest, it's to fulfill a desire in, in our hearts, you know, whether it's calling somebody that I need, calling a takeaway, uh, getting on Facebook, keeping up with the latest gossip, taking, taking selfies with people, whether it's uh, taking obscure pictures of your face and sending them to people on Snapchat. I just got Snapchat this week. I have no idea what I'm 
I'm doing, but I'm just kind of following the trend. Um, but let's be honest, right? Uh, we use them for GPS to get us to places that I want to go. We use them for alarms to wake me up. We put calendars for dates that I need to remember. It's, it's pretty self-serving. We hold them more often than we, we, we care to admit. Um, what's another one, okay? Uh, what about this? Uh, money, money, credit cards, right? Something we touch on a daily basis probably. I actually have Tanzania money because I couldn't find any dollars. Actually, somebody left me a, a $2 because I told them this last service. So American money, okay, now it's more relevant. Perfect. Um, but we use this on a daily basis, right, to buy stuff that we, we, we desire, to, to spend it on stuff that we want, you know. What's, what's the saying? How's it go? Uh, we, we, we buy stuff we don't need with money we don't have to impress people we don't even like, right? Um, so money, we, most, most of it is self-serving. Wow, I'm making it rain over here. Okay, perfect. Um, what's another one? Okay, steering wheel. Okay, how many of you drive a car? Who drives a car? Most of the time, we, we, we sit behind this to get us to places that I want to go, to get me to work so I can get money to spend on myself. It's, it's a self-serving thing, right? We, 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 we use it to get us to places that we want to go. And, and then finally, a uh, knife and fork, okay? For you, it might just be a fork. I'm British. I need a knife, okay? Um, <laughs> So we use this on a daily basis to eat food that I want, you know, uh, you know, going out to places that I want to go. Now, the crazy thing is this one, we can multitask with all of these. Like, it's fantastic, you know, and, and I know some of you guys use this way too much because I know guys that use it on the bathroom. And I know that because I heard so many people that have dropped it into the toilet, and my question is, how did it get there? What was you doing with your phone in the bathroom? So turn to the person next to you and say he's talking to you. My, my point is, is these are tools around us every single day. Now, the challenge that I was given is how can we use the tools around us to turn them into opportunities to serve others? Take your phone. I asked myself the question, when was the last time I called somebody simply just for the fact of, hey, man, I'm just checking in. How you doing? How can I pray for you? Hey, is there anything that I can do for you today? I don't, I don't know. When was the last time I was scrolling through Facebook and I saw this angry, disgruntled person or this person that's hurting and I didn't just keep on scrolling and I actually reached out to them and said, hey man, I saw this on your Facebook. What's going on? How can I help you? Take the money. When was the last time I used this other than fulfilling my own needs and wants? And I'm not just talking about tithes, guys. I'm talking about giving to somebody in need or just actually going above and beyond out of generosity to say, hey, I just wanted to buy you this because I knew that this would help you. Not because it's a birthday, not because it's a Christmas, but just because, because. I just want to demonstrate God's love that he's going to give to you, you know, that he, he loves you, he cares for you. What about, what about this, this steering wheel? When was the last time I, I drove to pick somebody up who needed a ride? When was the last time that I helped somebody get somewhere? When was the last time I drove somewhere to help somebody else? And then finally, the knife and fork. When was the last time I invited somebody over for a meal? When was the last time I, I cooked some, for somebody in need? When was the last time I gave to a homeless person, gave them food? You know? and, and the reason why I, I, I bring out these illustrations is because I want us to remember this message. I want us to remember the next time we sat behind our steering wheel, like, man, God has blessed me so much with so many tools and resources that go beyond myself. These are just every single day things that I can use as an opportunity to serve others. It's just how I use them. And so, you see, 
these, these are things that we can use every single day to serve people. And so I want us to know that serving isn't an event. You know, it's who we are as his disciples. We don't have to put our name on a sign-up sheet to serve. We can do it every single day with the things that we have in front of us. It's just we've got to be willing to have our eyes open to the opportunities to serve others. And we can have a profound impact by using mundane things to share the love of God. That's what Jesus did. When I think of Jesus and I think of what he had in his hands, he used so much of his hands to serve others, whether it was laying hands on somebody to pray for them, whether it was lifting up bread and fish to feed the hungry, whether it was baptizing people, washing the feet of his disciples, all the way to taking nails in his hands to serve us, to save us from our own destruction. Jesus was the epitome of what it means to love and to serve. So what do you have in your hands today? How are you using it? Because how we use what we have and how we serve others is how we will be identified. What I love about this passage we read right before Jesus gets down to the ground to wash his disciples' feet, he said this, he said, it says, Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power and that he had come from God and was returning to God. Jesus knew who he was. So he got up from his meal, took off his outer clothing, wrapped a towel around his waist, and washed the feet of the disciples. Because Jesus knew who he was, he could confidently and securely take on the lowly role of a slave and wash his disciples' feet. Most of the time we take on the attitude of, I ain't doing that, I haven't got time for that, don't they know who I am? It's because we have our identity in the wrong places. Where do we find our identity? We know the right answer. We know, we know the right church answer, right? My identity is in Jesus. Like, oh yeah, I just love it. I just identify with Jesus. But what does that really mean? I identify, I, 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 my identity, what does that mean? Like, if we're honest with ourselves, we know what it should be. We know where our identity should be. But somewhere... Along the way, we start our walk in Christ, and then we try and end by the flesh. We feel we have something to prove. We feel like in order to succeed, I need a higher position, I need a higher stature, but that's not true. It's like, it's like the idea of, right, uh, you know, I'm going to get a job so I can provide for my family, but then I get so consumed with my work and so consumed with everything that I have to do that I end up neglecting my family. I started for the right reason, but somewhere along the journey, I got lost. I, I feel it's the same in ministry. We spend so much of our time planning to do ministry, like we're going to do this event, and this needs to be here, and that needs to be here, and this needs We spend so much time planning for ministry that we actually miss the opportunity to minister. I feel like I've actually hurt people by planning ministry and neglecting to minister, because I've been so consumed on ministry. Does that make sense? Sometimes we get lost and we lose the why we even started. We, we start in the spirit, we accept Jesus, and then we feel like somewhere along the way we gotta, we gotta help him along. Our identity is not found in our job role, our title, in our money, our house, our car. 
Those are just old tools that God has given us to display his love to other people. But this is such a hard message to grasp. It's simple, but so hard to actually apply. We know the right answer, but we so often give up the opportunity to love somebody because we're so self-consumed with our own needs. In everything we need to do, we need to ask the question, am I loving people as Christ loved me? At the end, you know, washing the feet, Jesus says, a new command I give you, that you love one another. Just as I have loved you, you are also to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. And I just want to invite the band to come up. But the night before Jesus gave himself as a ransom for you and I on a cross, he kneeled down and washed the dirty feet of the disciples. He saw a need and he fulfilled it. He used his hands to wash away their dirt. And after he said this, he said, a new command I give you, love one another as I have loved you. And by doing this, people will know you're my disciples. Understand, people are not going to identify you as a disciple by your money, by your job, not even by what you tell them you believe, but by your love for one another. The greatest proclamation of the gospel is not explanation, but demonstration. It's not good enough for us to know what Jesus said, but we actually have to do as he did. Love is a verb, it's a doing word. Love does. So today, I just feel challenged to ask the question, am I demonstrating the love of God? Am I using what I have around me to serve others? When people look at me, are they identifying me as a disciple, not by what I tell them I do or what I believe, but by my love for others? The only way we can love and serve as Jesus did is to surrender to him. You see, Jesus set us an example of what true love looks like. God is love. So in order for us to overcome our pride, our insecurities, our attitude of, I ain't doing that, it's through Jesus. And that's the amazing thing about Jesus, is he not only sets us the example but he gives us the power, the freedom, and the victory to live the example. 